Hey Seinfeld fans, we've got lots of really cool things we're planning for Bask in the future. That's right, we're growing and evolving. And to help us in that process, we're asking you to take literally two minutes to answer a really small survey that we've set up. That's right, if you head to the link that's in our show notes of the podcast, we'd really, really appreciate it. We sure would. And uh, thanks so much for your support. And now on to this week's episode. testimony so far would you please tell the court in your own words what happened on the afternoon of september 10th what do you mean in my own words whose words are they gonna be you know what i mean i was very upset that day and why was that would you let me say i'm let me talk all right all right go ahead go ahead all right okay i was very upset that day because i could never become a bank but i don't want to be a secondary character Hello. Hello. Hello, Stephen, you've changed. I have. (laughs) Well, it is 2019. You can do whatever you like. Yes, we can. We all can. (laughs) Yes. Power to the people. (laughs) Welcome to another episode of But I Don't Want to Be a Secondary Character, a Seinfeld podcast where we talk about the secondary characters from the greatest sitcom of all time. My name is Ivan. My name is Stacey. Yes, Stacey is with me for a few weeks or for the next few episodes because Stephen is away for uh, family reasons. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Stephen, if you're listening... Um, all the best to you, mate. And, yes, uh, we're thinking about you and sending you love. Yeah, definitely. And we'll, uh, we'll see you in a few weeks. Yes. So anyway, this week we are continuing from last week's episode where we talked about the pitch. And uh, Stacey, usually we don't, uh, you know, do back-to-back episodes. Yep. But, but Stephen and I, we figured that the pitch and the ticket, well, they're essentially one episode yeah. when you stream them. So yeah. we thought, let's just roll into the ticket. They're very seamlessly um, put together as well when you watch them. It's pretty hard to discern where one ends and the next starts. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's usually it's just like a stand-up bit. Yeah. And then it goes into like the Kramer yeah. Jerry scene, yeah. I don't think it makes sense to separate them out because they're still distinct kind yeah. of storylines, aren't they? Oh, they are, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I love how like with season four there's so many story arcs yeah. that they flow through. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's pretty impressive actually when you sort of, you know, I think you might have discussed it in the last one, but um, the fact that the sort of NBC pilot story arc actually continues throughout the fourth season as opposed to like other seasons where it's just whatever happens 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 and yeah. that wraps up the episode and yeah. it continues on yeah yep. yeah and, and there's not as many uh, references to previous episodes mm-hmm. yeah, yeah yeah no it's very different but anyway we are doing season four episode four the ticket the ticket the ticket yes the second half of that one hour long episode and uh, uh, we talked about some secondary characters last week I mean the NBC executives including Susan Dalrymple Stu yep. and Jay uh, yep. a bit about Dr. Reston we talked about as well the psychiatrist mm-hmm. uh, um, but this week I guess like I'm going to talk about just the judge in Newman's case, yep. uh, as well as Cop One and Cop Two. So Cop, <laughs> yeah, that's how they credited. Cop One, Cop Two, Cop Two. Yeah. We were talking off air before, and I was starting to sing Fat Cop by Rick yeah. Potato. I was like, Fat Cop. Eh? If you're from Australia, you know what I'm talking about. Fat Cop. Um, so, yeah, yeah. So two I'm gonna, cops, one cop. Yeah, one judge. No, two cops. No, one judge. One judge yeah. <laughs> well, it is a pretty shitty court case for Newman, so you know, it, kind of, it kind of works out really well. Good, uh, bad pun. Good, bad pun, yeah. So I'm going to talk about the judge uh, mm-hmm. as well as the two cops. Uh, yep. Who do you have notes on? 
Um, I also have notes for the judge and the two cops. Um, I have a little bit on Dr. Reston, cool. Elaine's yep. boyfriend slash psychiatrist. Yeah, I'd love to hear um, your takes on them. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I don't really, I didn't really take notes from the um, secondaries out of the pitch, but I probably could have a little, um, you know, sprout on a couple of them if we wanted to do. Yeah, whatever you feel like. Yeah. Whatever. yeah, well, it's good to get your perspective on it. And uh, if you want to follow us, you can find us on social media at B-I-D-W-B-A-S-C. We do have an email as well, Podcast at gmail.com. If you you know, you know want to say hello to me and Stacey and Steve. Yeah, yeah. say hello. That'd be fantastic. I'm going to be on the show for the next few weeks. Yeah. So if you have any feedback or requests or anything random, get in touch. Well, you do have some listeners who've actually gotten in touch with us and they really like you. So really? They like hearing you. Yeah, so, hey. you know, they're, they're always, I know there's a, I know a couple of them from the top of my head and, yeah. Uh, yeah they're pretty excited when you're on. Well, so. hello, Stacey fans. <laughs> We're changing this podcast to Stacefeld. 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 Sign Stace. Sign Stace. I like Sign Stace. Sign Stace. <laughs> it's a good sign. <laughs> I have a few different random nicknames, and one of them came up the other week with some friends when I was in Vietnam. Okay, I was yeah. going by Spacey. Spacey. We tried to rent. Um, you didn't motor- call you, you didn't call yourself Kevin Spacey, did you? No, oh. no, it was just <laughs> Spacey. Someone was like writing down my name off my license while we were renting motorbikes, and she thought it was Spacey. Yeah, and she just like referred to me as Spacey. And then my friends just <laughs> hung on to it. Bless them. <laughs> nice. So space filled. Space filled. Yeah. What's the deal with outer space? <laughs> That's right. It's it, big. It's very big. It's huge. Uh, if you want to uh, follow us, oh no, I did say follow us. If you want to support us uh, via PayPal or Patreon, we do have links in the show notes and show notes. So your donations help us keep the show going. And yeah. uh, on Patreon, you do get some bonus content. And Stacy, for our latest Patreon episode, is with us. Yeah. We, we come up with some fictional or some hypothetical plots about some fictional Which I'm Seinfeld very films. About. Yeah, it's I great. Was, I was sitting down to do my homework yeah, 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 and I was surprised by how much I actually had to say yeah, yeah. or write. Yeah. Um, so I'm really looking forward to doing the Patreon content today. Yeah, we're recording it straight after this, yeah. so that'll be fun. Yeah, we're going to talk about five Seinfeld films, so that'll be great. Blow. Death Blow. That's I mean, one spoiler of them. alert. Yeah, spoiler alert. Prognosis negative and <laughs> a couple others as well. Anyway, Seinfeld-isms, Stacey, so the inter- yeah. that is the intersection of real life and Seinfeld. What has happened to you or any other friends or significant others in so, the Seinfeld world? I was having a chat with a lovely friend of mine, Heather, um, who Hi, Heather. is currently overseas. She's in Scotland at the moment great and we were just having a little chat on whatsapp and then she sent me a picture um saying that she was in a seinfeld themed vegan (laughs) queer friendly cafe in glasgow right called serenity now wow okay cool so it's this really kitsch i've got some photos which we can share through the socials yeah put put Um, them on yeah yeah and yeah, she was just messaging me and was like, oh, I'm just at this place called Serenity now. And like, she knows I'm a vegan. Um, she knows I'm queer and she just knows that I love Seinfeld. Yeah, so it was yeah. just like bang, bang, bang. <laughs> I was, I just wanted to transport myself to Glasgow and go eat at this amazing vegan Seinfeld cafe. Yeah. I mean, it's probably a bit cold this time of year, but uh, it'd be pretty good. No, I think it's, it's leading into winter. Oh, it's summer. Well, well, autumn. spring. Or, or it's autumn. Fall, autumn. Yeah. Yeah, but, but it's then it leads still into nice. winter. It's still all right. Yeah, good I'd be time more than happy to be in in Scotland. <laughs> You'd right go now. even if it's like minus twenty just yeah. to go to that place. I was in Scotland in the winter when I was there the last time. It was a bit cold. Frigid freezing. <laughs> Frigid freezing. <laughs> so, do you know what kind of food they have over there? 
I mean, um, what kind of food in the restaurant? Did she tell not you any in the menu restaurant, items? But like Scottish food, I mean, as a lot of the food over in the UK, but I found Scottish food in particular yeah. is a lot of fried food, fried food and things really stodgy and yeah. everything's got like meat yep. and chips and then like eggs or cheese nice. or whatever. So nice. considering that this is a vegan cafe, yeah. um, it wouldn't be typical i didn't think to ask what they had there oh, i'm sure you can go on the website find yeah. it google it yeah um find but it. it's really it's it's just great and i sort of really liked the idea that you know serenity now could be used <laughs> as like a vegan slogan because yeah. obviously we think of it as like serenity now yeah yeah but it's also kind of nice it's just like you know do no harm like yeah. serenity now yeah <laughs> <laughs> like Kramer does in the episode, yeah. he, you know, he uses it as a calming mechanism. Exactly. Whereas uh, Frank uses it to, you know, inst- you know, for his anger. You know. I mean, I think he tries to calm himself down. He just doesn't realize that he's also then making himself angry. Even more worked up. Time. Yeah, I <laughs> know yeah, it's great. <laughs> Oh, Frank. <laughs> yeah. So, Any- yeah, so that's mine. And that was literally just last night. Nice. Well, actually, I had one a couple of hours ago. Woo-hoo! So, someone, um, so, you know, I work in an office and one of, we have like a, a Google Hangout kind of yep. thing. So, someone wrote, oh, I'm just going to do a write-off. And then I wrote, what's a write-off? Just write it off. I actually did like these Seinfeld references to write-offs. You know, how did they come back? No one understood it, and I was thinking to myself, should I just get another job? Because you know, no, literally not one these person. These are not got my it. people. These are not my people. <laughs> no, these are not my people. <laughs> not What's my kind of guy. You know, I don't like Jerry. This, yeah. They just write it off. You know these big companies. They just write everything off. I don't no, no. think you understand. I <laughs> know. Terrible. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Well, that's a shame. That, that's a shame. <laughs> anyway, uh, Seinfeld News. I have a three items this week. Uh, first of all, uh, John O'Hurley, a.k.a. Jay Peterman, Jacobo Peterman. He turned 65 on October 9th. So. Happy birthday, John. Yeah, there have been a few Only birthdays. 65. Yeah, I know. I guess because he's right. like this sort of dapper silver fox. You yeah. sort of assume, I would have assumed he'd be older than that. No, no, there you go. There you go. He's Happy doing birthday. Well. And a couple of weeks ago, it was Jason Alexander's birthday and yeah. uh, Richard Hurd's birthday. We mentioned that in last week's episode. I remember so. hearing that. Yes, yes, yes. Happy birthday all. Happy birthday everyone in the Seinfeld universe. <laughs> um, so the first, or oh, the second item, I should say. Uh, so the New York townhouse, uh, you know, the one used for Elaine's uh, apartment exterior shots. Yeah. It's actually a With town. This- Steps yeah, the down. steps. Yep. It's actually a townhouse, not a non apartment building. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, her, her, the interior is the apartment, but the external is actually a townhouse. A townhouse. It's in the suburb of Chelsea, uh, in yep. New York. Uh, that's being that's for sale rather for a cool eight point six five million US dollars. Damn. Yes. Um, the townhouse is a forty seven hundred square foot five story townhome. It's got six bedrooms, four fireplaces, a garden with a fountain and pond, and a fully equipped chef's kitchen. So yeah, that's for sale. Stacey's oh just God. like wide-eyed. <laughs> that's insane. And it's insane how that was the exterior to an apartment building, you yeah. know. And Elaine, I assume, had like a one or two bedroom apartment. So yeah, yeah well, yeah. she had the housemate. Yeah, that's Tina. right. In, in the old apartment, then she moved. I think. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm caught up now. So yeah, she's yeah. The, this, this the is in the later cream, seasons. The cream, yeah, interior the, that's right. Apartment. Yeah, but the exterior was the was the that, brownstone. Uh, yeah, that's right. The brownstone. Yeah. yeah, that's that's the townhouse. Yeah, that's for sale. Yeah. Wow. So there you go. If you got a if you got a spare what eleven million, twelve million US dollars. I mean, it sounds. Set, like I mean, Australian dollars. You said phenomenal yeah. amount of money, mm. but then a five bedroom place with a a pool. Did you say a pool or a pond? Uh it's got a garden with a fountain and a, a pond. A fountain and yeah. a pond. I'm sure it's got a pool. Like too. just the real estate. In, it's in Chelsea. Like it's in in, Manhattan. in New York. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's yeah. on the island of Manhattan. So oh, like okay. the value of that's a neighborhood in Manhattan. The value of that. Like, Nearly nine million estate. US dollars. Woo. <laughs> 
I mean, if anybody wants to buy me um, a brownstone in New York <laughs> as a Patreon. <laughs> yeah, we should do a tier. $1 million a month. <laughs> and in eight months, you'll have that house. We could all live there together and you can be a regular guest on the podcast. <laughs> um, yeah, that'll be nice, I guess. <laughs> I'll live there. Ivan doesn't have to move. No, no. One room can just be the dedicated studio. Yeah. That'd be fun. Decking out. Packer, no. No, no, this is now called the Vandalay Studios, Vandalay, yeah. So. One of our listeners, Andrew from Melbourne, uh, because we were coming up with an idea for the studio after we moved back into yeah. you know, in this place. Here. In here. And, uh, yeah, uh, we were trying to think of a name. Penny Packer was the old one. Right. And this is now Vandalay Studios. As soon as it so. came out of my mouth, I felt like I wasn't up to date. <laughs> That's fine. Well, you've been with us a few times this year, so, uh, you know, you've you got to catch up with the, the gist and the lingo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the final bit of news. So Jason Alexander, he tweeted last week that while he hasn't seen the new film Joker starring Joaquin Phoenix, which I saw the other day and was I found it really good. Yeah. Um, he tossed out the idea on Twitter that to play Egghead, a villain in the Batman uh, series. Is that in the Joker or he just... No, no, he's a Batman villain. So he, right. um, so Jason, but he tweeted, he said, uh, and I quote, haven't seen Joker yet, but it's clearly a hit. Uh, so in anticipation of films featuring other Batman villains, who would be better than me to play Egghead? Go ahead, throw out some names. And after a day or two, most people claim that he'd be a better Penguin rather than Egghead. I think he'd be a great Penguin. He'd be a fantastic Penguin. Yeah. And he did admit it later. He claimed that, uh, quote, I blame it on my natural waddle <laughs> as to why I'd be a better Penguin. And uh, for the uninitiated, uh, Egghead was created for the 1966 Batman TV series starring okay. Adam West. I've and never heard of an egg f- egghead. egghead villain. No, me either. Um, bit... Yeah, a bit strange. Yeah. Um, and he was played by Vincent Price in the TV oh, show. Oh, so, yeah, wow. Go, in the 60s. Vincent Price. Yes. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah. I mean, so I'm a huge Tim Burton fan. Mm-hmm. And for me, there will always be the Penguin. Um, which is it? Danny Batman DeVito. Forever? Uh, Batman Returns. Batman Returns. No, Batman yeah, Forever yeah. was the one with Val Kilmer. Right, Jim okay. Carrey, Batman you know. Returns. Yeah, that was the last Tim Burton one, yeah. Yeah, and yep. the one with Danny um, DeVito as the Penguin. Yeah, that, that's and Returns, And he was yeah. just so bloody good. Yeah. I mean, not that I'm saying that George Alexander could Jason Alexander. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jason Costanza. <laughs> Jason Costanza. I think Stephen did that a couple of weeks ago. He called Jason... George. George. <laughs> like, he does world's so, colliding. World's colliding. Um, Fantasy, Stacy, reality, Stacy. They're colliding. Yes. I think he'd be a great penguin. Yeah. Like, yeah for yeah. me, like the performance from Danny DeVito is just such a like ground, you know. It's such an institutional, like an institution. It it's it's yeah. a milestone performance. Exactly. Yeah. And that's, yeah. but that, having said that, that's kind of how I feel about Heath Ledger's performance. Yeah. In the Dark Knight. Yeah, yeah. Um, and part of the reason why I haven't been super excited to rush out and see the Joker. Yeah. Like, I love Joaquin Phoenix. Well, he's fantastic. It's it's different, though. Like, not to delve too much into yeah. it, but um, but the Joker but Joker with Phoenix is basically like an origin story for him. Oh, it's set in, like, okay. a gritty 80s Gotham City, and it's kind of, like, stylized and modelled to be, like, 80s New York, really oh, gritty, crime-ridden, okay. high yeah, unemployment. Yeah. And it's kind of, like, it deals more with – it's basically about – a guy who suffers from mental illness, mm-hmm. and then through all these events, which I won't spoil if yep. you haven't seen it, um, he eventually becomes turns to a life of crime. He becomes like a maniac, yep. and uh, yeah, it's basically the the foundations of how the Joker came to be. Oh, okay. So there that you go. sounds more appealing to me. Yeah, now. so it's more of a character study. Yeah. Whereas Heath Ledger's performance, it was basically like a fully fleshed out Joker. Yeah, you know, so it kind of like he basically 
already have the backstory, yeah. whereas this one's building the backstory right. to be the Joker. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. That so sounds cool. It's a different take. And mm. it's kind of, it's like an homage to kind of like, well, not a homage, but it's got, it draws inspiration from like those 70s character study films, you know, yep. like Taxi Driver and yep. those kind of ones as well. Yeah. A lot of uh, references to like Scor- Scorsese films yeah. and the way it's I mean, filmed Joaquin and stuff. Phoenix yeah. wouldn't be in it if it was just like a gratuitous action film no like or he, like a standard really, comic book film yeah, 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 yeah he's yeah. very much drawn to those more like alternative dark broody roles yeah so definitely. Sort of, when i saw him like that he was going to be in it i was like huh. yeah. i thought it was a bit of a weird choice because mm-hmm. i wouldn't put him with a superhero yeah. franchise usually yeah yeah so yeah that's interesting i might mm. have to check it out you will have to yes um i'll bring my notes on a further episode oh well maybe we'll do a joker review for patreon we or could something. Yeah, yeah. yeah if you go come go see it okay we can do it next week or the week after yeah uh, anyway <laughs> Anyway, let's have a quick break. Uh, That was Seinfeld News. And uh, when we come back, we're talking about some secondaries from Season 4, Episode 4, The Ticket. And this week, I am with Stacey. Bye. No, (laughs) we're still here. (laughs) Hello, we are not available now. Please leave your name and phone number after the beep. We will return your call. Welcome back to Bidwabask. We are talking about season four, episode four slash part two. Tickets. <laughs> yes. Um, Ivan, can you give us a plot synopsis? Yes. Yes. First aired in the US on September 16th, 1992, directed by Tom Sharones, written by Larry David, like last week's The Pitch. Continuing from last week, uh, George asks Susan out on a date and is convinced that the network's decision to film a pilot is thanks to his romancing her. <laughs> George isn't too keen when he hears how much they're offering to pay. 13000 <laughs> Ted Danson. Yeah, what's Ted Danson? I can't live with myself knowing that Ted Danson earns that much. Yeah, 800000 an episode. I think he wears a piece. I think he wears a piece. <laughs> oh, just oh, you like, can definitely afford to wear a piece. The fact that George would put himself, like, even in the same, like, ballpark as Ted Danson. Yeah, I know. Because oh, anyway. Ted Danson was, like, a huge star. He still he, is he in still a way. Is. Yeah, he still is. Yeah, he's yeah. amazing. He's amazing, yeah. And he's ageless. I mean, <laughs> yeah. well, he's ageing very gracefully. Well, he's got the grey hair. kind of timeless in oh, a way. definitely, like, he just yeah. keeps... Yeah. Smashing it. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, He's sorry. It. Anyway, yeah, smashing. <laughs> Teddy. Yes. I, I like to see us as like the George Costanza of Seinfeld podcasts. You know, yeah. you've got like Seincast. That's like the Ted Danson of Seinfeld. Right. You know? And it's like, you know, we're <laughs> we trying to be George. like Seincast. And we're like, George, I can't live to be like how, you know, how, how Seincast is and how popular they are. If Seincast is getting 60, then we deserve 13. Yeah, 13, <laughs> yeah. No, didn't he say he gets 800,000 an episode? An episode, yeah. Is that from Cheers? Is that cheers yeah days? cheers right. cheers money yeah um i'm guessing Seincast probably has eight hundred thousand listeners i got no idea <laughs> do we have thirteen thousand? well 13 probably yeah well, 13 one three yeah hi guys <laughs> hey no i think we got a few more than that. <laughs> um a few quite a few more um kramer has an encounter with crazy joe davola who kicks him in the head in the previous episode uh, fortunately he was wearing the helmet he got from newman he begins to act strangely however newman is intent on beating the speeding ticket in court and drags him al- kramer along as his witness i love that whole thing like there's like three scenes of it i'd love it that's my favorite part of the ticket the newman court. trying to get out of the 75 dollar ticket oh. and he's doing like his own you know he's bringing he's getting his own witnesses up and stuff oh he's roped kramer into like coming up with this story but when did he get the ticket 
in the pitch. Did we actually no, see no. Newman get the ticket? No, 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 no. What happened was so Kramer um, and Newman traded the helmet and the, um, yeah, radar, the detector. radar detector. That's right. No, oh, the, the radar detector. And yeah, it yeah. doesn't work. It doesn't work. Yeah, because Newman walks bridge. out and then Jerry's like, does that work? And Kramer's like, nah. nah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, Cra- with- then Newman's like, I was going down the expressway and I, yeah. and I noticed cops behind yeah, me. You know? Yeah, I'm it's with good. you now. Yeah, I did yeah. watch it last night. I just oh, that's okay. missed that part. No, that's fine. Yeah, so that's like the result of the radar detector not working. But it's funny because they end up in court and Kramer's life is saved. Like yep. even Newman mentions, I saved your life. If it wasn't for that helmet, you'd be dead. Yeah. Because that kick would have been like powerful. That would yeah, have that's a huge dent yeah. in the helmet oh, when he definitely. comes into the diner with it. Yeah, absolutely. In the in the pitch. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Um, so anyway, his story is that he was racing home to prevent his friend Kramer from committing suicide <laughs> because he wanted to be a banker. And then obviously because Kramer got kicked in the head, half of his brain wasn't functioning. Yeah. So he was forgetting a lot of things. Yep. And uh, Yo, yo, ma. Yo, yo, ma. Yo, <laughs> I should have started the episode with Yo-Yo-Ma. 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 And then right, he picks I, up the phone and speaks in fluent Italian. Yeah, it's like, Yeah, I know, it's good. Um, so, yeah, that's the episode. Um, other secondaries, Uncle Leo makes an appearance in a scene uh-huh. with Jerry. Yep. Uh, a few others return from the pitch. Russell Dalrymple, Stu, Jay, Susan, of course. Dr. Reston, the psychiatrist. Yep. Uh, the receptionist from NBC. She's played by Julie Clare. Tommy, played by Steve Scroven. Uh, as well as uh, Al Fanny plays the judge in Newman's case and there's two cops in this episode Steve Easton plays the cop in the court and David Graff plays the cop in Monks who Mm -hmm. uh, has a muffin coffee and a sandwich while while Jerry and George are waiting to leave Monks escape yes (laughs) the clutches of Joe Devola yeah that's uh, that it that's about it really but I mean a trivia all the good trivia was in the pitch last week so if you go back and listen to that the only one I have is this is a, a broadcast originally as a one hour special with the pitch yep so yeah do you have which any trivia? Knew. Yeah, which we knew. Do I don't you have, have no. any trivia for this one. Cool. Well, I was thinking, Stace, because obviously you weren't here last week. Yeah. Uh, maybe we can get your take on a couple of secondaries from last week because yeah. a lot of them or most of them do return uh, for the pitch, for, uh, for sure. the ticket rather. So, uh, I mean, who do you want to talk about? Who do you want to give your takes on first? Um, well, so I guess like obviously we've got um, Newman's in the pitch, um, Susan's in the pitch, Russell Dalrymple's in the pitch. Yeah, yeah. But, um, I mean, did you want to talk about a couple of them? Well, I mean, I guess you guys have probably covered it's I think it's interesting going back and watching like the episode and seeing Susan coming into the show. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Because she seems like in the very beginning in those first meetings, she's, you know, she's there, she's in an official capacity. Um, she's very professional. You know, she holds herself um, very professionally and she just doesn't seem I mean, she never really does, but, like, (laughs) it's really hard to watch it and think how on earth did they write her and George becoming a couple? Yeah. Because it just doesn't seem like it would fit. And even the fact, you know, watching the two episodes together last night, you know, if you'd gone out for a date with this guy who'd come into this pitch meeting, waffled on absolute (laughs) nonsense, stormed out like an asshole because of his artistic integrity. You're not artistic and you have no integrity. (laughs) And Jerry. But, like, he makes such a scene and that's their first time meeting each other. Yeah, that's the neuroticism of George. It is, but, like, there's nothing appealing in that. Of course not. (laughs) (laughs) And then, you know, we don't know how much later it is, but then um, he brings her up into the apartment. And then obviously Kramer proceeds to vomit. Yeah. So like, I why would you ever speak to that man again? 
Yeah, yeah. You know, but there's something about George that just gets under her skin and that just they seem like chalk and cheese because she's got this great exec job and she's, you know, really professional and she's funny, you know, and she's obviously supportive and lovely. But watching it, I was just like, how, how? And even when George, like, she accepts the money very graciously for the dry cleaning of the vest. Even though George didn't want her to take the money. And then as <laughs> soon as she walks away, he's like, I can't believe she took I that money. I can't believe she took the money. And Jerry's and like, why? And I was why? just like, what? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. why? How? No, it I was think, just weird, yeah, like, no, I th- seeing I, it beginning. Beginning, yeah. I think with George, he um, he kind of convinced Susan. And, and we've seen it in season seven where he proposes yeah. to her. Like, he, he's got the knack of... You know, using his pathological lying. Yeah, saying what people want, exactly, to get what he wants. Um, So I think that's what happened, yeah. So George romanced Susan, as it said in the plot, and, uh, yeah, yeah, Susan was able to, you know, come around. It's just kind of, yeah, it's weird to sort of see, like, the genesis of that kind of storyline in those episodes and be like, well, also, (laughs) to me, it might just be me, but I think Susan looks a lot more like a lesbian. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> than right. a straight woman. Yeah, sure, um, sure. But it's the 90s, so it's a bit harder to tell. Um, and then obviously Russell would be the other one. So Russell's fantastic. Um, I've always really appreciated his, like, you know, role um, in the show. He's always just very, like, abrupt and upfront and he's exactly that in these episodes yeah. as well. We very have dry. Very dry, yeah. yeah. And, and really eager to get on with the pilot as well. Yeah, like he seems... You know, supportive, but also like no nonsense. You know, he's kind of sitting back. You, you know, he's he's got a discerning eye. Um, he's you know he's into it, but he's also suspicious and like whatever. So yeah. yeah, I just I don't have anything new for Russell, but I guess he's just he's such a great character, and yeah. it's great to see him sort of come in and just be himself, like right from the get go. Yeah, we did say last week that um Stu and Jay they were more seen as like progressive kind of executives, so people who wanted to take a chance with different kinds of yeah. comedy, different kinds of stand ups, and I, I think. Sort of- you just sort of figure that out? Well, like I was going to say, like I would see it as like they're the sort of young talent scouts yeah. looking for something different. Yes, yeah, that, that's like what we said. Yeah. Russell and Susan are a lot more of the business-minded. The conservative con- kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, more conservative. Although Susan is like quite supportive of the show. Only because of George. But you also get a sense yeah. that it's, yeah, because it, of that. But Yeah, but Russell has the final say. Yeah. But we, we thought last week that Stu and Jay kind of convinced Russell to give Jerry go. Yeah, definitely. He doesn't look like someone who would be into, I mean, why would anybody accept the idea of a TV? show about nothing. Well, in real life, NBC didn't. I know, but it's so <laughs> ridiculous. And it's funny because last week in the trivia, Russell, or we did say that Russell was modelled on, uh, I think, David Littlefield, whose name was. Okay. He was the NBC executive at the time. That they pitched Seinfeld. To? Yeah, that's right. right. So he was kind of modelled on him. I so, wonder if the yeah. um, plot line about the daughter was ever a thing. Oh, I don't know. You know how <laughs> he's staring at... Getting a look, Costanza? It's, yeah. Yeah. It's... Um, Denise Richards. That's right, yeah. Young Denise in the shoes. Richards. Yes, which yeah. we talked about in our shoes episode. I'm last sure year. you had. <laughs> yeah, we had. Yeah, she was like 21 and she was meant to be 15. That was weird. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway. That's kind of all I've got because obviously, like you guys have, will have spoken about everybody else. No, oh, but it's um, nice to get your take as well. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and I did want to mention as well. So, um, there's a little bit of a cameo of Uncle Leo. Yeah, that's right. Play by Lynn Lisa, yeah. Episode. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I won't go into it because we've all covered Uncle Leo to death, but I did want to make a mention that he would be like top three, if not top five of my favourite secondary characters of yeah. all time. Nice, nice. I love Uncle Leo. Yeah, like, he's even great. Even watching it last night at home by myself, watching the episode, he walks up to Jerry 
Hello. Hello. It just brings a smile to my face. It, like, and he was talking about pajamas and he goes, sometimes oh. I get too hot. And he just goes on tangents. <laughs> and the, I sleep in my underwear. That's like, right. I love when Jerry and, and George, they're at NBC and Jerry's like, I could be in a, I could be a fireman going to a fire. Yeah. And then, you know, if I told Uncle Leo, I'm sorry, bur- building's burning. I got to go save people. Je- Uncle Leo would be like, okay, do what you want. You go off to your <laughs> you fancy to meeting. Your, your fancy meeting. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I know people in Hollywood too. And the fact that um, the fact that Leo's then gone and called Jerry's mum, and then mum has called him at NBC. Oh yeah, we have to mention then, there's an uh, uncredited uh, yeah. uh, appearance by uh, Jerry's Helen. mum. Helen, yeah. yeah. Um, and so on the phone call, because he's like, "Who would know that I'm at NBC?" And then it's his mum. And then on the phone, he's like, "No, I wasn't rude to him." So like, you know that. Like Leo's instantly gone home and rung Helen and complained about yeah, Jerry being rude. Th- that's right. <laughs> but I had and a meeting with NBC. He picks up the watch as well, which yeah. rolls into the, like the next into episode. the watch, anyway, which so we'll do another time. I watch. just wanted to gush about Uncle Leo. Oh, I yeah. love Uncle Leo. And uh, we did do uh, when we did what's the deal with episodes? Yep. you know, all that time ago, we yep. did have a special one on Uncle Leo. Yeah. I think it was one of our last. Might have been our last. What's I figured the deal. you would have done a deep dive on Leo, but yeah. I just wanted to give him a, a favorable mention because to me, he's like supreme. Oh, he's amazing yeah Len Lisa was was just terrific like horrifically frustrating and also incredibly lovable yeah and (laughs) very lovable too but we we hypothesized in that episode that he was going through possibly early stages of dementia Mm. Alzheimer's especially wacky guy yeah but especially in the later seasons he's even more wacky than he was before and like the fact that he forgets things and he does stuff with Kramer Mm, like anybody who's good mates with Kramer has to be a little bit (laughs) <laughs> you know oddball yeah, yeah exactly definitely um, but yeah anyway love you Leo yeah love you love you Len rest in peace mate anyway shall we talk about some new secondary characters from the let's. ticket yeah let's talk about the judge so he's played by actor and producer Al Fan he's appeared in 1971 film The French Connection oh that's a good one uh, he's also appeared in that really shitty Sylvester Stallone film from 1992 Stop or My Mum Will Shoot <laughs> I wasn't um, aware that that existed oh it does uh, <laughs> he passed away in October on in October 14th, 2018. Wow, so nearly oh. 2018. Almost a year ago today. Yeah. We're recording, I think, on the 16th of October? 15th. 15th, yeah, almost a year. Yesterday. A bit over a year. Yeah, 366 days ago. Yeah. Wow, geez. He was aged 93. Wow. Yeah, when he died That's last a good year. Run. Yeah, so um, with the judge, I feel like, uh, you judge know. Judge Sackett. That's his name, yes. Yep. Um, I feel like he's he feels like he's wasting his time in the court. Oh, yeah. Over like a measly $75. He's like, I've got other shit to do. He's probably like the equivalent in Australia of like a magistrate, you know, like they do oh, with yeah. like they do with like low traffic, level traffic judge. Traffic judge, yeah. yeah. So they like in Australia we have magistrates which yep. deal with like low level kind of yep. crimes, you know, like that kind of stuff. Yeah. And, you know, very low level crime. Um yeah, I think he's just one of those and he sees all the Generic. All of the ca- like all he the just cases, sees yeah. So many people every day. Yeah, that yeah, yeah. it's just like ugh, whatever. And and I think as well that he, even though he sees through Newman straight away, like he knows Newman's just trying to get out of this ticket. He's being dodgy. He was clearly caught speeding by the cop. Even the cop testifies, cop number one. You know, yep. he testifies about it. I think that he. Despite the fact he could easily have dismissed the case, I think he believes in due process. I think he still believes, even though I yeah. think you're trying Bullshit. to get out of it, I'll still give you a chance to have you say. Yeah. You know, and uh, yeah, he gives him the chance to, to give it a go. And unfortunately with Kramer's hemi, I, th- I think there was a condition, hemi something to do with the brain where half your brain Hemiog- works. Hemiogenic yeah. amnesia. I think it was something like that. Yeah, I should have I got the name. Yep. But anyway, yeah, it's actually an actual condition. I think because of that, 
you know, that, that screwed Newman over. And then the yeah. judge is like, that's it. I've given you all these chances. I've wasted a couple of hours of my time. He you just know? doesn't seem to believe Kramer because Kramer can't kind of hold a story together because no. obviously his own his brain, memory yeah. issues and impairments and whatnot. He, just, yeah. he doesn't look like a reliable witness on the stand. Definitely not. And he can't keep to the story. Um, so it's, you know, obviously makes sense that he would like dismiss the case or not dismiss the case, like it hold up the fine. My, excuse me, your honor. My friend is unbalanced. And Kramer's like, I'm unbalanced. I love that. You know, you know, makes the hand gesture. I don't remember. No. Oh, it's great. It's it's right at the end. So good. And then I I love how the judge has like a big smile on his face and a little smile and he goes, that'd be $75. And then he hits the the hammer. (laughs) He's like, I'm done. Um, all for like, $75. When I was watching it, I sort of was really like in the beginning, um, you know, Newman's giving his testimony and then Kramer comes on the stand and, and Kramer's speaking. But the entire time, like Judge Sackett just has like a really kind of like nearly glazed over look. Like you Definitely, said, he's yeah. kind of just going along with it for the fact of due process. That's right. He's not really like invested in the story. He probably doesn't really believe Newman because who would? Um, <laughs> but, you know, he's sort of just like sitting there. He's not, but he's also like not pushing, like he's letting them say everything that they want to say. That's right. And when he's kind of like listening to the story, you know, Newman's explaining it and he's even like, so he didn't kill himself? So he's like talking about this, you know, what seems like a like crisis emergency like situation, but he's just very sort of dry and kind of disengaged from it. And Definitely. like you said, you know, if he's a traffic cop or like a lower level judge, he's just like churning through the cases all day. That's right. Has no personal investment in this, obviously. No. <laughs> um, but I also sort of said that like the way that like he doesn't really even though it seems pretty ridiculous and Newman's obviously like really carrying on and then Kate Kramer gets on the stand and is like useless, he still gives them the time and the opportunity to like say what they need to say. Yeah, and which he we, does yeah. seem, you know, I don't think he was necessarily ever going to let it slide, um, but he does really kind of listen and he does seem invested, even the fact that he like asks whether Kramer had killed himself or whatever. Um, I sort of made a note to say, you know, even though he sort of is a very cool character, he also seems like really quite empathetic in the episode. You know, he's really listening to the story. I sort of said, you know, like he's obviously relatively seasoned in the time that the episode, he's got those like old man, like 80s shades and stuff. Yeah, he does, yeah. But I was like, you know, to me, he struck me as someone who might have like started out in, um, you know, legal aid and worked his way up as a public defender and has become a judge. And even though he doesn't really like buy into Newman's story, he's still kind of got that like, you know, respect for human rights and the and the due process, like you said, to like hear out what they've got to say. Yeah, um, for sure. For so sure. that was kind of my like projection about his backstory. Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, you know, that he's kind of come from this, you know, very client focused base of maybe public defending and worked his way up to a judge. And that's why he kind of still gives them the chance. Even oh, though okay. It's clear baloney. I just thought that he went straight into being a judge and he had like a moral compass. I mean, that was just my take. And then, and then, like, you know, like we said many times, like, he didn't want to follow due process. Yeah. So he decided to go ahead and uh, give Newman his piece. But unfortunately, uh, Kramer couldn't deliver the goods. Newman put on a good performance. but uh, Very much so. Unfortunately, Kramer couldn't deliver. 
He's like, you got a phone call. A phone call? It's um, From me? (laughs) No, I didn't. You know, the phone call? The phone call. You know, you were going to, uh, you Uh, know. You were going (laughs) to. I love how he does like the harikiri, you know, motion with the samurai sword and the gun. He's like. "Uh, uh, uh." Uh, What's that called? I can't remember. Harikiri. There's another term for it. Is it? Yeah. Oh, there's okay. another one. I oh, can't right. remember. Anyway. But yeah, so he does like the uh, uh, yeah, yeah, thing yeah. and then he does the like... <laughs> the harikiri. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah, it's so ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. But anyway, yeah, the judge, I liked him. He was good. And yeah. uh, it was funny how um, Newman pushes Kramer and they both fall over and then the flag lands on the judge. Did you notice that? No. You know, the, like the judge... Is the, it right at the very end end of the Yeah, the right at the end of the scene, like the last part of the scene, literally the last... F- couple of frames the oh. f- like Kramer hits the flagpole and falls down and then the flagpole hits the judge <laughs> and he's like what the hell Shit. I don't know if that was meant to happen maybe uh, I, it was probably wasn't I might planned. have stopped the episode before that oh okay yeah. right okay is it post is it post credits no 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 it's it, it's right literally before. like the last just as the scene is about to end oh okay but I think I don't think the flagpole is meant to fall like yeah. that I think it was, I think even the actor I think Al even was a bit shocked he was like oh like you could see he was like oh, oh it well, fell on him well if it was Kramer yeah. he was probably you know really Michael was really into it, it yeah, yeah. Definitely, yeah. Yep. No, I liked I liked the judge. He was fun. All right, should we go to our next character? Yeah. So I've Cup no- one. Cup one, fat copy. Uh, he's played by Steve Easton. I couldn't find too many credits on him. Um, but, yeah, he was the cop who testified against Newman. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, he, he said that Newman... Uh, he caught Newman speeding, and uh, and he said that when Newman was caught, he was on the ground flailing his arms, saying, "My friend is gonna die. My friend is gonna die." Yep. So um, yeah, he was just doing his job, and he was being honest, and uh, he told the judge the way it was. Interesting. Yeah. Um, What's your I, take? So I made note of the fact that he, during his um, evidence on the witness stand, he uses the terms. So he sort of says, you know, I saw this guy exceeding the speed limit. So very like practical what happened. But then when he's describing the interaction with Newman, he talks about Newman being hysterical. As you said, he speaks about him um, flailing his arms. He says he gets down on his knees and Oh, down on his knees, yes, yes. My friend is going to die. My, My friend, friend is, is going, going to die. die. But he's like saying it in this really like... Dry you know, manner. Very dry manner with like no sort of like sense or feeling in it. But I could imagine Newman, like when he says it, did you picture like the way Newman would do oh, it? Oh, 100%. My friend is going to die. My friend is going to die. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. that weird sort of screechy, squealy voice yeah. that he does and stuff. I think any one of us like that's a big fan of the show could imagine how that scene would have played out. Yeah, I imagined it every time I saw that scene. But I I just found it, it's incredibly subjective and dramatised language to use on a, like on a bench giving evidence in court. Okay. So to me, I found that to come across as like really judgmental. The fact that, and it might've been because he just didn't believe Newman from the get-go. Probably not. Um, But, you know, it's very sort of subjective language to use about someone that's, you know, presented themselves in that way i think it just added to the humor to be honest i think it was just meant to make it funny and i think it was like i mentioned it was meant to leave it to your imagination as to how newman would have reacted that was just oh yeah but like we know that newman would have been ridiculous he would have done anything and everything to get out of of those things but it was like for me i think what i'm saying is it was just interesting to hear the way that the policeman kind of framed it when he gave it as evidence um and that sort of led me to think like he's you know obviously like a pretty seasoned cop yeah been around on the streets a long long time a traffic cop traffic cop yeah. yeah um and that you know he's just that sort of really like kind of tough guy who's like streetwise or whatever and then the way newman would have behaved in that scene he would have just thought was like 
utterly ridiculous, inappropriate, <laughs> yeah. hysterical, as he said. So he was kind of that really, like, stiff upper lip sort of, you know, cop guy. Yeah. And then, like, looking at Newman and just being like, you're an idiot. <laughs> do you think he wrote the ticket before Newman did that thing or do you think after? Do you think maybe he wrote that? Like, my guess is probably Newman got out of the car. And, and gave tried. the license and tried doing it. And then the guy's like, I'm just going to give you a ticket. Probably. Yeah. I mean, it wouldn't we? Like, <laughs> if Newman got out of the car and carried on that way, like, he's a purposely unlikable character. So yeah. he's supposed to, like, bring that out in people, right? Yeah. So probably he's like, no, 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 please don't give me a ticket. And he's like, no, I have to give you a ticket. And then he, like, carries on, mm-hmm. blah, 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 begs him, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Comes up with this, like, elaborate story. Um and then, you know, just, like, begs for help and obviously the cop doesn't want to relent. Yeah. Because he just doesn't want to. No, that's or he right. he doesn't believe him. Yeah, he just doesn't or care. it's not like, an excuse. And because and I think Newman, I don't know how how fast he was going, but he said he was doing, like, a big, like a huge speed, oh, you know? I think okay. it was, like, 20, I think, I forgot what it was, but right. it was, like, I was doing this into this zone. Right. And I was like, shit, that's pretty high. That's so a lot. The fact he was really over the limit, the cop was like, nah. Yeah. No, can't yeah. deal with this. Yeah. I'm just going to give you a ticket straight just away. Just doesn't have time for Newman's bullshit. No, definitely. Especially yeah. doing that speed. Yeah. Ridiculous. Uh, anyway, yeah. So that's. Do you have any other notes on him? Nope. No. He just, just said his he was piece. A bit tough. He's a bit tough. And tough yeah, he, love. he's very seasoned. I found yes. him to be pretty tired as well, you know? Yeah. Like, he was just kind like, of similar to the judge. They both seemed really checked out. <laughs> yeah, checked out. They've they've seen it all. They just didn't done really it. give a shit. They're nah. just like, shut up and pay your fine. Shut up and pay your fine, idiot. Yeah. <laughs> you sped. <laughs> yes. Um, the last character that I have is cop number two, uh, the monk's cop. So he's yeah. the one where uh, Jerry and George spot Davola and worry that Davola might kick their heads in. Mm-hmm. Uh, he goes to the cop, uh, Jerry, and says, can you escort Walk us out? And Yeah. And then the cop says, yeah, I'm just going to get something to eat, a muffin. <laughs> and then he orders food and Jerry goes up to him saying, hey, you're going to escort us out? And the cop goes, I'm hungry. You know, a muffin can be very filling. <laughs> you know, a muffin. I just like decided that I was hungry. I decided I was hungry. Uh, so he was played by David Graff. Um, Police Academy fans might know this guy. He's most famous for playing the character Tackleberry in the series. <laughs> Great name. <laughs> yeah, I've only seen, I think, Academy 1 and 2, I think. And oh, I remember him I in it. I watched them for a long, long time. Yeah. He did look pretty familiar yeah, to yeah, be yeah. Fair, when I was watching it yesterday, but I have also watched Seinfeld many times. <laughs> many times, <laughs> yes. He's also made appearances in TV shows such as The West Wing, Night Court, and Home Improvement. Ah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think with him, he just wanted to come in. I think he probably finished his shift and uh, he just wanted to have a feed and he was hungry. Do you reckon he finishes shift though? Because like, why would he agree? Oh, well, I guess if he's just a good guy. Well, technically, you can still be off duty. I guess, yeah. like, you're in a cop uniform, you can still escort someone out. Yeah, I got the sense that he was like just on a bit of a break. Yeah. Um, okay. Because he's because it was around lunchtime, I think. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. like the fact that he sort of, you know, and he kind of reluctantly agrees when Jerry first asks him like he sort of says oh there's this guy outside and you know i'm really worried like can you just walk us out so we can get into a cab yeah um and he kind of like looks at jerry and sort of thinks it over for a second before he even agrees yeah. to the first thing and ah. then he immediately says oh just let me let me get a muffin oh okay because my, my like i i thought that maybe he finished his shift that's why he was pretty reluctant he was like mm. oh do i have to i figured if he was still on shift or on duty he probably would have been like yeah all right i just gotta eat something yeah yeah but if they're like... I guess it could go either way. Yeah. I mm. mean, who knows? That's who knows? what we're here for. Yeah. Um, and, mm. But to me, like, when Jerry first approaches him and asks him for help, he doesn't sort of seem too, like... He agrees, but somewhat reluctantly. Yeah, reluctantly, yeah. And then obviously, you know, he's a New York City 
beat cop. Like if he's out on the street that he's ducked into monks, whether it's at the end of his shift or on a break, he's out and about on the beat. So like the amount of shit that he would see on a yeah. day-to-day basis and he's got Jerry, you know, sensitive, soft, little, beautiful Jerry coming over and freaking out about some guy who like might maybe want to kick might, him. Might, might, And yeah. wants an escort into a taxi. Like yeah. he, you could just tell that the cops, cops like, like that wouldn't take that seriously no 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 and then obviously like the reason why i think that he's on a break and not at the end of his shift is because he's like oh i'll just get a muffin so he's like oh, i just i'm gonna grab something quick because i'm probably still at work and then he works out that he's hungry yeah and then once he sat down and upgraded his muffin to a sandwich he then decides to get a cup of coffee yeah yeah to wash um, it all down. To wash it all down. And yeah. so then Jerry comes over and is like, what are you doing? You're getting coffee now? Like, we've already waited 20 minutes for the yeah. sandwich. Coffee's another 10. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Um, but I just kind of got the sense that he's like, maybe like relatively newer on the force, that he's like out on his own, like working the beat or whatever. Oh, okay. Um, I, I have the opposite. Like, adding to what you said, I have in the notes, he's seen it all in NYC. Right. Like, he's seen every kind of crime. I think he's yeah. been on the beat for a while. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, a guy stalking Jerry's probably nothing to him. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah. A guy, like you mentioned, who might kick him might in the head or might attack him. want to kick him in the you know, head. Maybe it's like a del- – he might think Jerry's just being deluded. Yeah. You know, or too precious or soft. Yeah, you yeah. Know? So he's like, whatever. It is a bit precious. I mean, like- if he saw J- Davola walk in and kick Jerry in the head, maybe that would be a different story. It's like, yeah. okay, I better arrest him. But, yeah, yeah, he probably thinks nothing of it. He probably thinks nothing of Joe, nothing of Jerry. He just wants to go in and relax and, uh, yeah. and go home. Well, or- I just – yeah, I wrote down like – um He's just trying to take a rest. He's like reading the paper. Yeah. You know, he's, he's trying to get something to eat. Like he's probably like really hardworking guy. Yeah. He just wants to rebalance. Cop, seen it all. He wants to get some balance back before he either goes home or goes back on but shift. Like, whichever the weird one thing you want is, is like, how long would it take you to just walk outside and see someone to, into a cab? Yeah. Like that would take 30 seconds. So he's, I guess, like you, what you were saying, he's probably seasoned enough. Because, like, if he was a newer, fresher cop, maybe he'd be more likely to say, yes. oh, yeah, I'll just quickly get you to the taxi. Yes. And then I'll come back and get him off. Absolutely, yeah, Whereas yeah. this guy's like, yeah, they can wait. He's like, like whatever. It's he's, not urgent. He's probably thinking, until, unless the guy comes in and beats the shit out of you. I don't need to do anything. No, that's right. So yeah. it's fine. Yeah, So it's all good. Sense. Yeah, yeah, that, that's the way I saw it. But, yeah, he, like I said, he probably thought nothing. He probably gets that all the time. And then he's like, oh, come on, man. And he was a little salty. Like, I wrote down something about (laughs) side eye. Should have added some more salt to the sandwich, eh? (laughs) (laughs) When Jerry, like, comes back over and is like, what are you doing? Are you getting a sandwich or a rat? And he just kind of, like, gives him this look. The side eye, yeah. Yeah. I loved loved the way he played him, David. He did a good job. Yeah, he did a really good job, yeah. yeah. Unlikable character, but well acted. Well acted, yeah, definitely. Just just those looks. I feel like that's a really supremely New York situation to happen is, like, to ask a cop for help and the cop then sit down and eat a sandwich. Yeah, exactly. Like, he probably... He sees, like, the underbelly of crime yeah. in New York, like the worst of the worst, yep. the worst that society has to offer. Yep. And then some guy's like, can you just walk me to the cab on the off chance that this stalker might attack me? Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, nah, come nah. on, man. I, I, saw like, I saw, like, five dead bodies this morning. Man. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're nothing, you know? Yeah. Unless if I see the act happen, then forget yep. it, you know? So, crazy. Anyway, yeah, so that's cop number two. Do you have any notes on, well, there's not really any other new characters, but do you have any? There's else? no one new, but I did jot down some notes on Dr. Reston because I didn't realise that he was already covered in the pitch. Yeah. Um. So, I just wanted to briefly kind of make mention, I guess, of like watching the scenes and knowing that he was Elaine's psychiatrist, but they're now dating one another yeah, yeah. and they've gone overseas on holidays together. 
um, obviously is like a huge like ethical <laughs> issue. Yes, hundred percent. Which kind of speaks to this guy's general like character and demeanor that he would do something like that. But then yeah. aside from that, he's also then got this patient who he says that he's quite worried about and yeah. has the capacity to be a very dangerous man. That's right. But he just forgets to leave him a script. Yeah, we we said last week or we hypothesized that um maybe he he just got forgetful and mm. he understands that Joe's probably his most volatile patient. Yeah. You know the one where if he doesn't get his medicine then he could become psychotic. Yeah. As he demonstrates in later episodes. As he does. Um and I think he feels really guilty about it. Yeah. Like we mentioned that we were like maybe because he didn't leave a script he feels really bad and he yeah. kind of wants to leave the trip to go back to America. And then, you know, he, mm. eventually, because, you, you know, in the pitch, how he does that twice. He has yeah. those premonitions and he's like, oh, I forgot yeah, to like do this. Yeah, like he's literally standing there making out with Elaine. That's right. And, and then, then he, he has these thoughts. stops and it was like, oh, I'm worried about him. And then the first couple of times, Elaine's like, oh, whatever. But then you notice how in the ticket the third time, Elaine's like pissed. She's like really frustrated and. Well, yeah, you're yeah. on hope, like you're on holiday with your boyfriend and he keeps thinking about some dude. I mean, it's a, a patient, obviously, but like. You expect someone to, like, be on this romantic holiday and just be, like, swept away by the moment. And then you're thinking about... uh, And also, like, the fact that he's thinking about him while he's kissing Elaine. Yeah. Like, it would be different if they were just sitting there talking about their day, but they're actually, like, kissing each other. Yeah. And then he stops and and takes a break to bring up Joe Devola. So, yeah, I just said, like, he's obviously... A piss poor psychiatrist. Yeah. A, that he dates his patients. Highly unethical. And B, that he doesn't, like... You know, you would just you would have rigorous processes that would stop you from forgetting to write a script, or you would contact a colleague and leave a script with someone else. You yeah, know? Like, or another psychiatrist, or exactly. Yeah. yeah, like he's a terrible psychiatrist with very very questionable ethics, <laughs> and also just a bit of a creepy old man. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That's yeah. my notes. That's your notes, yeah. <laughs> Fair take. Fair take. And uh, he was played by, who was it? He was played by uh, Stephen McCatty. We talked about him. So mm-hmm. if you want to know more about his backstory and a bit more uh, Stephen and my you know, opinions on Dr. Reston, because yep. uh, this is the f- second time he appears on the show. Yep. He appears later on in a couple more episodes in yeah. season four. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you can find out more about him. Anyway, that's all the secondary characters that I have. Uh, what about you? And Nothing else? Nope, that's it for now. Beautiful. Let's take one more break. That was the ticket, and we're going to find out where it sits in my top episodes of all time. Woohoo! If any of them reach my top 20 secondaries of all time, and I guess, Stacey, you don't have a list, but I guess... I've, if, got, a, I've got a, a scale. A scale, yeah. yeah. You, you have the Stacey scale, so that's finally, <laughs> that's coming out again. So I guess on the scale, you can tell us which ones you think tip them and which ones balance or whatever. Yep. <laughs> we'll be back to wrap up the app. What? What, are you ordering food now? Yeah. Yeah, I decided to get a sandwich. What happened to the muffin? I got a little hungry. All of a sudden, you get hungry? Yeah. You got a problem with that? No. This is But I Don't Want to Be a Secondary Character, and this week I am with Stacy. Hello. So we have done, in this podcast, 103 episodes of the show. Wow. So for me, this episode sits at number 20. Wow. In my list. Yeah, yeah. So the pitch is number 37. Uh, I really love the ticket. I yep. think the Newman-Kramer subplot is yeah. probably, it makes it for me. It's I think brilliant. the fact that, you know, it, it crescendos from the pitch, from Newman having the faulty detector and leading yep. into the ticket, I think it, like, that whole thing's hilarious. It's funny. It's a very, very well acted. It's a very cr- um, classic Newman-Kramer 
storyline. Yeah. And it's like supremely, yeah, it's very well acted. The fact that they like stick it out all the way to going to court. Yeah. He drags, he convinces Kramer to not go and see a doctor. Yeah. But to go with him to court instead. That's right. You know, like it's, yeah. It's great. Shenanigans. Shenanigans. And we later see Kramer and Newman coming up with some more schemes later on. So this is kind of like the start. I think it's one of the first schemes they do together. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I'm pretty sure from memory. So Beautiful. uh, Beautiful, yeah. So just for that alone, number 20. But also I loved... You know the how they go for the second meeting, Jerry and George. Yeah. How it leads in from the pitch, and yep. you know this time George is happy to give a little, a little about having some story. And and I love how the scene starts off with him talking about story. Story is the most important yeah. aspect. And he just goes on and on oh, and on. I know it's great. Um, you got to love the character. You have to love the characters. Backpedal. Yeah, so you can't just like them. You love them. Love the characters. I know he just backpedals. Yeah, so good. Um, so yeah, for me, number twenty, I actually found it better than the pitch, but the pitch is still very good. Yeah. Uh, in fact, season four overall is just besides. A couple of average episodes. Yeah, usually it's, it's a good it, season. It's a very good season. When the best I one. used to yeah. watch, um, when I used to watch the box sets like daily. Yeah, and, like, <laughs> daily. Wow. Go through different um, discs like every day. Yeah. Season four and five are my like go to. Yeah, Those absolutely. are the golden seasons of Seinfeld for me. Definitely. Yeah. Um, three's definitely like finding its feet, but I would always find myself my favorite episodes. I feel like are kind of in that four in to that five range. range. But to be fair, three has some cracking episodes. It too. does. Two has a couple of really yeah. good ones, like excellent ones, like yeah. Chinese restaurant and stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, season three is just yeah mint. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, uh, none of the today's uh, characters fit my top twenty or even my top twenty. Uh, mm-hmm. In your scale, Stacey, yes. um, do any of the characters tip the scales to be favourable to you or, do, um, or not? So none of the characters that we covered from the ticket. Okay, Judge um, and the two cops? Nah. No? Okay, fair so enough. They're, they're blips. Um, obviously, I've already spoken about the fact <laughs> that Uncle Leo yes. would be like top three. Yes. Uh, yeah, I'm just going to say top three. I had written down top five, but I'm going to go ahead and say top three. Top three. Excellent. Um, He's number three for me too. And what else was I going to say? So in terms of where I would rank this episode, the ticket, um, I'd probably put it as like a good, I think I've got like, you know. You've got like, good, classic. I think you have like classic, there's like very good. Yeah. Very good and, and good. Yeah. Or like mid-range. Yeah. So like the ticket to me would be a bit more of a like, I think I do see what you're saying in terms of like the um, Newman Kramer storyline yeah. is great. That, that one get, gets it over the line into my twenty. Watching yeah. them actually get the show and like be successful with it is and making great. it yeah and making it so meta too. Yeah, you know, I and love like when Jerry's. I love when Jerry's like, and what do you think they're going to make a show about nothing? Yeah, you know? and then he's explaining it to Kramer, and then like he's saying, you know, like you would be in the show, and like whatever would be. And, yeah. And so it's like so weird because it's like come from life into the show yeah. and then from the show back into the into, life of in, him in, in the show. In the universe. And yeah. then it culminates in the pilot, the season yep. finale, where it's, uh, yeah, it culminates into Jerry, the yeah. show within a show. Yeah. But I would probably, if I had to rank them, I think I would put the pitch slightly higher than okay. the ticket. Yep. Only because in the pitch we hear all of the like the genesis of the show yes, and that conversation with George and Jerry at the diner. And then like, so the Chinese episode is one of my favorite episodes. Chinese restaurant. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Um, George comes up with that idea in the pitch, pitch, like when they're in the, in the diner. So like that to me is like, it's like a genesis 
episode. And that's the one that actually starts the whole season four arc because the first two episodes of season four, they're a continuation from season three. So it's the trip, parts one and two. So that's when Kramer goes to LA. So yeah, basically the pitch starts and it introduces Susan and Dalrymple and all these significant characters. Yeah, Yeah. it's a huge turning point for the show. So like I probably would rate the pitch slightly higher than the ticket. Yeah, fair. But they're both like, I'd say the pitch is probably like good. Yep. And then the pitch is no. The so ticket, the ticket's good. Oh, the ticket's good. The ticket's good, and then the pitch is very good. Okay, excellent. But not classic. Okay, yeah, cool. <laughs> excellent. <laughs> we got there in the end. We sure did. And that is another episode of Bimbubask. Thank you so much for listening. It's been really great having you. And uh, next week we are talking about season nine's The Apology. The Apology. So yeah, with James Spader and uh, Jerry's nude girlfriend who likes being nude all the time. Isn't it Janine? Gar- no. No, no, no. Janine Garofalo is in it somewhere, though. Yeah, she? I think season seven. Right. I think the end of season she's some, seven. The, the naked girlfriend is someone, though, because I remember. Oh, okay. Yeah, she's I the blonde I can't remember who it is lady. now, but yeah. it's, I'm pretty sure she went on to act To further. do better things. Yeah. yeah when, we, when we do the research for next week, we'll figure we'll it out. We'll tell you about it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you want to send us an email, bidwabaskpodcast at gmail.com. We're on social media at bidwabask. Uh, we are on Patreon if you want to support us financially and get some bonus episodes and uh, early access to next week's episodes. So with the apology, you'll be able to get it right now as you're listening. Oh. If you're not on Patreon, yes. So because we record a week in advance. Yeah, I was like, but we haven't recorded it. <laughs> no, not yet. No, but by the time everyone else gets yes, it, the apology will be now. on Patreon. Yes, I've caught up. Um, and we'd like to say thanks to our current three patrons uh, who are with us: uh, Nakia, Holly, and Tim. So uh, thank you very much. Yeah. So if you want to join them, patreon.com forward slash Bidwabask. We also have PayPal as well. So if you want to make a one-time donation and support us, uh, the money goes towards new equipment, which we've upgraded recently. And uh, like mic stands. Yeah, that's right too, which which, which, that was paid for by Patreon too. So yes, and Stacey was able to... uh, My own mic. That's right. The three of us uh, in a couple of episodes were together and we did a couple of episodes. We'll have to do that again sometime. Absolutely. Um, So like I said, next week, the apology. And uh, yeah, Stacey, you're with us for another two episodes so uh, thanks for being on board my pleasure yes we will see you next week take care bye